Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Good morning. Yes, if you are brand new, just wanted to say welcome to Portico. It's great to have you today. We are in the middle of a new series called Uncommon Sense, Simplified Living in a Complex World. It's basically the idea that there are things we think should be common sense, but don't seem to be as common anymore. So open up your Bibles and Bible apps to Proverbs 13.22, Proverbs 13.22, and we'll get started today. Proverbs 13.22, it says this, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Today, we are going to have some fun, and uh, we are going to be talking about men. We're going to talk about men today. Specifically, we're going to talk about real men, what, what real men look like. Yes, and, and might I add what re- real godly men look like today. So please, uh, if you can, uh, take a look at this clip. <laughs> Was this anyone's home? Is this anyone's home? Yeah? Uh, <laughs> what was only your dad, or, or is only your dad allowed to touch the sacred thermostat? Anyone? Yeah? I know in my home, this was law. This, this was actually a real thing. Um, in the winters, the house was never hot enough, and in the, the summers, it was never cold enough. I actually remember in the winters, we would see our breath because it was so cold. And in, in the summer, we would see, uh, you know, roast, uh, roast nuts, uh, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. We would see that in the summertime. It was so, so boiling and, and so hot. You know, uh, mom had eyes in the back of her head, but, but dad was like a, a human heat sensor. Like he just, he could feel when something was different in the air and it didn't matter where he was. He would just poke his head out and be, be like, did someone touch the thermostat? Right? And me and my brothers would be like, what? How do you know? Right? Yeah, this was, this was our home. And so for me, this was actually a picture of what a real man looked like at my house. But what about you? What do you picture when you, when you think of a real man? I bet if I asked everyone in the, in the room, a lot of you would have completely different answers than, than what, uh, what I would have and, and what your, your neighbor beside you would have. You know, some of you might think, uh, you know, a real man is, is chivalrous and is willing to do the dishes, right? And, and others of you in the room might think a real man is tough and is smart enough uh, to order in pizza so that they don't have to do the dishes, right? Some of you in the room, a, a real man is, is willing to show his emotions, 
right? While others of you might say, well, you know what? A a real man only has emotions during the playoffs, right? (laughs) Some of you might say, well, you know what? A real man puts the toilet seat down, right? While others of you might say, they have toilet seats now? What is this new technology, right? What we discover when it comes to real men is that everyone has a different perception of what a real man looks like. It could be a a result of your upbringing. It could be uh, societal influences and and even preferences, right? I want my man to to look like this, or I I think men should be like this, which is sometimes not always realistic. So today, we're actually going to press pause on our, our personal preferences and what we think real men should look like. And we're going to see what the Bible says real men look like. Now, for those of you who are not men, this is not a time for you to unplug. Uh, this is not a time for you to uh, hold this message over your husband's head and take notes and, you know, give that nice little elbow saying, I told you so, right? Uh, or, you know, compare to other men and go, you know, why can't you be like, you know, the Johnsons next over or a street over, right? None of that. This is, this is not an opportunity to do that, and, and if you're, you're single or you're dating, this isn't an opportunity for you to tell your boyfriend or, or to tell your guy friends, you know, I told you this is how you should be acting. This is why you don't have a girlfriend, right? None of that. We don't want to do that today. Instead, this is an opportunity, whether you're married, single, or dating, to see what God desires every man to look like and to help encourage him to become. So what do real men look like? What do real godly men look like? And even more so, what is it that real godly men leave behind when they're gone? What is it? And for a lot of us, when we think of that, we we instantly go, well, okay, what do they leave behind? It's something financial, right? But what about if it's more than just financial. Often people focus on the financial inheritance um, and forget about the legacy that they leave behind. But the truth is, is real men, real godly men, don't just leave uh, a tangible inheritance. They leave more than that. They leave a, a, a godly inheritance behind, a legacy to their children's children. So the question we need to ask ourselves today is, how do we do that? How do we leave a godly inheritance to our children's children? Well, for starters, real men build a life of integrity. Real men build a life of integrity. If you have your notes, write that down. Real men build a life of integrity. I remember when I was a student, I... uh, I, was, I, was, I used to work for a construction company, and one of the things that we did is we would do a lot of repairs. Uh, we would do a lot of repairs, and, and one of the reasons we would constantly be in need from, from uh, various communities would be uh, because of sloppy work that was done before. 
um, a lot of sloppy work, a lot of shady work. And so we had to constantly come in and rather than build something brand new, we had to constantly repair the foundations and the structures because people had done things wrong. In a lot of ways, what actually happened was people would try and cut corners they would cut corners to save a buck. They, you know, they'd buy cheap material um, or patch up mistakes uh, without properly fixing the problem, not realizing that it's going to eventually cause them to pay a fortune in the long run, right? So instead of you know, getting wood planks, we would have people that would get plastic, right? Or, or we would, I remember there was this one time we got to this house and and we had, to, we had to fix the stairs. And as we're walking up the stairs, they're wobbling. And I, 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 like we're, we're just looking at them, and then we're like, why are the stairs wobbling? And they're like, oh, like we, we did the repairs ourselves. And so when we looked at the frame, they had only, they had only um, um, hammered down the top and the bottom. There was nothing supporting it along the way. And so literally at any moment, we could have just fallen right through. And I'm like... I'm like, what? What happened, right? What, what's going on? And they're like, oh yeah, like we just figured it would be okay. There's support at the top and the bottom. And I'm like, what are you talking about, right? Like, yeah. But, but this is what would happen on a regular basis. People would try and cut corners. And it's the same way uh, when it comes to us. It's easy for us to cut corners in life thinking that it won't affect others or those around us. And it's, it's easy to even justify our actions if it comes to saving a dollar, right? But remember, when it comes to our lives, and when it comes to kids, kids don't always copy what we say, but they do copy what they see, right? They don't always copy what we say, but they do copy what we see. Case in point, I have a one-year-old, a one-year-old. And a lot of the times, uh, because of work, I'll be answering my phone or I'll be, you know, on my phone and I'll be doing this. Well, a couple weeks ago, uh, my son got a hold of my phone and so it was like slobbery and everything like that. It was really sticky. Um, uh, just a lot of food residue on it afterwards. But uh, anyways, I watch my son as he picks up my phone and he starts doing this at one years old, Right. Kids won't always do what we say, but they do what they, uh, what they see, right? And so we've got to be careful. You're not just building your life. You're also shaping their life too, right? And integrity, integrity isn't always easy, but neither is building a house correctly. It takes time. It takes discipline. It takes effort and a lot of love and care. But at the end result is always worth the pain following through. You know, and um, if you've ever uh, traveled and you were able to see a, a castle, one thing you would, you would see is these giant walls that would be built up around it. And a lot of the times when enemies would attack or siege a kingdom, siege uh, a castle, uh, what they would do is they would actually look at the structure and the framework of the walls to see where the weakest point was, and then they would attack that section of the wall. 
And in the same way, when we live without integrity, when we, when we have moments where we cut corners, that's where the enemy or that's where we will find in our lives things will start to go wrong because we're not walking in integrity. We're not constantly building a life of integrity. It's those moments, it's those things that we kind of brush aside and go, it's okay. Those are the things in our lives that we find will be attacked, that will, will be besieged, right? That, that the enemy will go after, or the, the weak spots that will be revealed in, in how we build our lives. Which is why the Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 7, children are fortunate if they have a father who is honest and does what is right. The truth is, is you can give your children all the money in the world. We can give all the money in the world to our kids. But if you're morally bankrupt, you've actually left them with nothing. And it's because money comes and goes. Just look at your bank statement at the end of the month, right? Money comes and goes. If, if you're like my household... You know, we're, we're only at this stage right now where we've got uh, uh, one child, but we'll look at the, our bank statements at the end of the month, and it's like, okay, diapers, formula, food, groceries, gas, insurance, phone, booster juice. You went to booster juice, right? Don't you know we're on a budget, right? It's always stuff like that, right? It's, I was hungry. Do you want me going to starve? Yes, right? Yes, I do, right? That's always what's going on. Money comes and goes. It's always coming and going. Um, Money comes and goes, but check this out. Integrity leaves a legacy for generations. That's something that lasts longer than money, and you can't leave what you're not building. Unfortunately, you can't leave what you're not building. I was telling uh, people last week, there's a story in the Bible that it's actually one of the most depressing stories in Scripture, and it's found in Joshua, Joshua 24, and, and, or, or sorry, um, uh, the story leading up to it. You see Joshua, he stands before the people, Joshua who led the Israelites into the promised land, and he, he stands before the people and he says to them, I encourage you, follow God, but, but at the end of the day, do what you want, but it will go well for you if you follow God. And he says, and as for my household, we will serve the Lord. And then you have this section in, in Judges 2 later on that it's, it's literally one of the most depressing verses in the Bible. It says that after Joshua's generation died, another generation grew up who, is neither, uh, who neither knew the Lord or what he had done for Israel. In other words, even Joshua's descendants after his death walked away from God. Joshua had given them land, wealth, power, influence, and just as fast as it was gained, it was lost. That's how, that's how fleeting money is. So let me ask you this question. What are you building in your life? What are you building in your life? Is it a life of integrity for your children's children? Or is it something else? What are you building in your life 
and in the life of those around you and those after you. What are you building? Real men also pursue a path of selflessness. I remember um, this moment um, when uh, I held my son for the first time. Um, and it was this incredible moment after Rachel held him for a while. You know, I figured she had pushed out a nine-pound, one-ounce baby. Makes sense that she should get him for a little bit. But when she decided to share him, uh, I, I remember holding him. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I can never be selfish again. I, I can't be selfish anymore. And, and I'm actually surprised that it took me that long to figure out this in life. Because you see, this is something that God's actually designed right from the beginning. Do you remember the story in the Bible in Genesis when God creates man? He creates Adam. And, and he creates him so that he will work and care for the garden. Right? He works and cares for the garden. He shows selflessness. And not only that, God creates Eve. And then he tells uh, Adam and Eve to go and now multiply. You see, right from the beginning of creation, God has designed and wired us to be selfless to always be investing into, always be doing something for someone else or for something else. That's always what God has had in mind. And the the more selfless we live, the more Christ-like we become. The more selfless we live, the more Christ-like we become, which is the ultimate goal, to be more like Christ. And we can look at him as an example, right? Because he built a life of integrity and pursued a path of selflessness, we still talk about him 2,000 years later, right? There is not a lot of people we talk about 2,000 years later, but because of what Jesus did and how he lived, his legacy is still going on and on and on because of the decisions that he made. Proverbs 13.22 says that a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. And here's the truth about that. You may never know your children's children. That's, That's the unfortunate reality of life. We may never know our children's children. You may never know the effect that you have on a person you've invested time, sweat, and tears, and and prayer into. But their kids will. Because they will see and enjoy the fruit of what you planted in their parents' lives. How you live matters. How we live matters in this life. I love what 1 Peter 4.10 says. It says, be generous. Be generous with the different things God gave you. Passing them around so all get in on it. I love that ending. Passing it around what God has given you so all can get in on it. Everything we have is what God has given us. So be generous with what God has given you. 
This is what I love about church. Church should never be something that we do on our own. Because if we actually follow through on the teachings, we have a lot to give to one another. A lot to be generous about. I remember in my, uh, when I was growing up, there was a family that uh, they were unable to have children. Um, but that didn't stop them from being generous to, to all the church kids. And these, uh, these, uh, this couple would constantly open up their home for all the kids in the church. And, and basically all of us would go with our families and, and all of our friends and kids, and we would go swimming in their pool. And uh, they would actually make it nice and hot into the 90s so that we would be able to stay in there longer. Um, and they would provide all this food and, and everything. They would find a way to help. And me, as, as a kid, I remember everything that they did for me as a result. And they weren't even my parents, right? It doesn't matter if you're a parent or not. You can be generous with what God has given you, the gifts and the talents God has given you to invest in not only our children's children, but also in our church here in Milton. Milton has a ton of new families, a ton of young families, a lot of up-and-comers, and they need people like you to be that light in the world to be that encouragement, that, that neighbor that's always willing to talk and help and, and invest in the community. We need to be generous with what God has given so that everyone can get a piece of it. So let me ask you this. What do your actions show you are pursuing? What do your actions show that you're pursuing? What does it look like on a weekly basis? on a daily basis? What are your, see, your, your kids seeing? What, what are your friends seeing, your colleagues seeing? What are you pursuing? If someone had to speak up right now and say, well, you know what, when I think of this person, this is what I see they're pursuing. Would it be something that's selfish or would it be something that's selfless? We need to be leaving a legacy of selflessness. We need to be pursuing this path that God has for us. Real men also leave a legacy of love. Real men leave a legacy of love. There are a number of things we leave behind when we die. We can leave behind money. We can leave behind, uh, unfortunately, debt. We can leave behind our possessions, even heartbreak. Uh, but one of the greatest things that we can leave behind is love. Love is one of the greatest things that we can leave behind. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, and now there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest thing that we can leave behind is love. In other words, that nothing I do matters if love isn't involved in it. If, if I haven't loved it means nothing. Love is essential in a legacy. Real men leave a legacy of love. I think of my grandfather, and for many of you, you think of your, your parents, or, or you think of a, a grandfather, or, or a man that you've known in your life who was a great man. I, had a, I would look at my grandfather, and I would think he's a, he's a great man. I remember when my Nana found out she had a rare disease uh, that destroys all the muscles in her body. 
my grandpa took over doing all the chores in the house. And he, he took over really just completely caring for everything that was going on because she was so weak. Even at nights, I would remember staying over at my grandpa's and, and my nana's. And I would watch as he would pick her up to carry her to bed. He would pick her up and carry her to the bathroom or pick her up and carry her upstairs or, or downstairs. And, and he's in his 70s at this point. And he's not a big man, and yet he never complained about doing it. He, he just, he would find every ounce of strength that he, had, that he had, and he would do this faithfully for his bride. And you could just see that love. And he was a, a great man, but he was, he was also um, a very determined man. He had it in his mind that he would live to 100. And... Um, yeah, and, and when he found out that he wasn't going to live to 100, he, he was uh, 99 years old, and, and he knew that he was, he was breathing some of his last, so he made the family promise that on his tombstone, we would actually uh, not have the day, so that when people looked, it would, they would see that it would add up to 100. And, and his whole thing was, hey, I was alive in the womb too, right? So... So anyways, that was the kind of man he was. he was. He was determined, you know. But what do I remember most about this guy? What do I remember the most about my grandpa? It wasn't the money, because truthfully, he, he actually he didn't have a lot. He lived very simply and, and uh, simple jobs, and he didn't have a lot of money. It wasn't any of that. It wasn't, uh, you know, the fact that his hands were so moldable. It was like clay pots. I could just make whatever I want uh, when I was born in church. It wasn't that either, right? Um, uh, it, w- it was his love. That's what I remember about him the most. It was that he left a legacy of love. I, I saw it in how he treated his wife. I, I saw it in his how he treated his family and his, his friends. Um, and you know, even to this day, when people find out, when I, when I go to uh, places where they lived in Montreal and Coburg and in some surrounding areas, um, when people find out who my grandpa is, they'll say, wow, what a great man. You know, your, your grandpa did this. He loved this. He did this. And I'm talking about teenagers will come up and tell me these things. Leaving a legacy of love is so important because love is one of the greatest legacies you can leave behind because love is contagious, right? It affects and transforms everyone around it. In fact, love is one of the major deciding factors of how people will know God and will remember uh, you when you're gone, right? They They will know this by your love right? They'll know Jesus by your love, but they'll also remember you by how you loved on this earth. And, and this is a beautiful way, men, this is a beautiful way that we can help people find their way back to God, to leave a legacy of love. And maybe for some of you in the room, this is hard, right? Or, or for some of you, when it comes to love, you never experienced this from your father, right? You never heard those words or experienced that love. But just remember, 
is just because it wasn't a reality in your past doesn't mean it can't be a reality in your present. Doesn't mean that you can't start today by showing your children a legacy of love. That you can't show uh, the, the kids and, and the people in our congregation a legacy of love. So men, I would encourage you today, build a life of integrity. Build a life of integrity. Pursue a path of selflessness and leave a legacy of love. It's going to take real men, real godly men to change the culture in Milton. It's going to take real godly men not only to change the culture, but to change what's going on in our communities for real men to stand up and show our families and our kids and those who are looking for guidance and help what real men look like. And it's going to take real men to show who Jesus truly is. Ladies in the room, moms, sisters, friends, and even the youth and young adults in the room. I'd encourage you, be patient with us. Be patient with us, men, and help us to encourage us. Encourage us in our pursuit to become who God desires us to be and who God has called us to be, which is real men, real godly men. In closing, I actually want to give uh, something a little bit different. I want to give a benediction. Psalms 128 says this, How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. And may you live to enjoy your grandchildren. Amen? Amen.